Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast with me, Jonathan Puddle. This is episode 98. This week, I am thrilled to welcome to the show my new friend, David Tenson. David and I have been kind of circling each other, or at least I've been kind of circling him for a few years, and we uh, finally connected and had a wonderful time. I think we recorded like two hours of conversation that, that we cut down to 45 minutes just for you guys. You don't need to hear us fanboy on each other all day long. But you are going to hear us fanboy on Paul Young, that's for sure. Anyway, David is this really remarkable soul. He has been a worship director. He's been involved in leading a large inner healing ministry. Then he went through major breakdown. Now he writes poetry. And if you have ever experienced breakdown or burnout or hopelessness, doubt, loss, then I think you are going to find his work is a blessing to your soul and to your heart's journey. So without further ado, here is my interview with David Tenzin on the podcast. Okay, David, this is so wonderful. I'm so glad that we get to do this. Uh, we finally figured out the mutual friend who kind of at least put you on my radar a couple of years ago. Yes. And, uh, and I've been kind of loosely following along. And I was just like, okay, I like where you're at. I like the things you're saying. And then uh, I don't know if I just if it was just the Instagram algorithm, but all of a sudden it began popping up this these poems that you were that you were writing just in the last little bit. I'm like, yeah, David Tenson, that's right. I uh, I've been following this guy for a couple of years, kind of not super engaged, but like every little while I'm like, oh yeah, that guy that that our friend told me I should really be following because we're like on a similar wavelength. And then I started reading your poetry. And man, it wrecked me. Mm. Uh, I think the one that really grabbed my attention was was that right in Advent. This one about Christ, oh, yeah. you know, at the breast, and and I was like, oh man! And I so I kind of double clicked back into your stuff. I'm like, hey, what's he doing? What's and then I'm like, oh, there's a book that just just come out. And uh, man, thank you. You're welcome. I'm. I'm like undone in the best of ways mm. by the first half of, of the wrestle, uh, this book of poems of yours. So thank you for Thanks, sending man. it to me and thank you for writing it for all of us. <laughs> thank you for the record. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying your book. Um, I saw you bought it. I'm like, Hey, I'm on day seven and, uh, and loving it, loving it, loving it, looking forward to moving through it more and, Seeing a lot of similarities, similar journeys, similar <laughs> similar language. So when I did my homework, I'm like, oh. first of all, I'm thinking this guy's accent's not. This guy says some words like I do, like part and like stuff. weird, <laughs> weird. And this guy then you had, weird. <laughs> and then you had just imagine we little Jesus. And I'm thinking we only Kiwis say we little Jesus or Scottish. I'm thinking that's it. And then I heard in the Scott Erickson podcast, you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm from New Zealand. I'm like, that's it. Busted. So I feel like I've got a, an Anzac brother. Yes. Right? Come on. This Australian New Zealand army corps. We, you know, may they never, may they never be called up again, but that's right. <laughs> let's let's do it and call it a spiritual thing that's, that's right where it gets it's exactly um 
so okay, I would love to hear. You know, we were we were messaging a little bit just just because you know you'd sort of said even when you started reading, oh man, I'm I'm hearing a lot of cues here. I think we've got some similar uh, stops mm. along the journey in terms of the ministries and the kind of spiritual f- ways we've been formed. So I know we've got some similarities there, but I would love for you to roll the clock back because uh, just for anyone who doesn't know David yet, this this book of poetry, the wrestle, it's kind of like the way. I don't know how I don't know how you sum it up, but the way I would sum it up from what I've read so far is like it's like an accompaniment for deconstruction, for disappointment, for disillusionment, like d- disappointment in God, in life in general, in yourself. Mm-hmm. I basically feel like it's kind of a a gift from you for life in COVID at the very least, like let alone all the spiritual tribulations of our life, but just bloody 2020, like reading through these poems and just being like, sweet Jesus, so many parts of my heart needed this permission Mm. to admit that I am deeply, deeply disappointed in God. Mm. And so um, I can only imagine, um, you've been through some things to be able mm. to offer this to us. Yep. That's true. <laughs> if you would, <laughs> if you would be willing to, to ro- roll the clock back as far as you like and tell us the story. Well, just before we went on the air, we were talking about uh, the, the revival time of the mid nineties. And uh, I was on a, a little rural um, coastal town. Uh, in Queensland, the state of Australia. And uh, that's where I got saved. That's where I got curious. I had a couple of friends that went to a youth group. So in 95, 1995, I uh, went to a youth group, asked questions and, and went through the sinner's prayer. And uh, and, def- and I just felt something change. And I was looking. I was, you know, mid to late teens. And... Um, and during that time, or not long after that time, you know, Australia starts getting visited by people like Rodney Howard Brown. And, um, and there is this, this move of the spirit, you know. Um, so we start, the youth leader starts taking a little busload of 10 kids to these meetings. And I'm blown away by, uh, first of all, that there are grown men in suits dancing around like chickens, you know. Uh, and uh, and then but more than that just the whole atmosphere and then we the little youth groups in this little garage starts holding these um, our own worship meetings one crappy old keyboard and an overhead projector and we just start singing and worshiping Jesus and um, I um, it, it just it grabbed me, you know, it grabbed me. And that youth group grew from like 12 kids to like 90 kids in six months. Mm-hmm. And it was just crazy. And um, and so I started getting involved really early too with that. Um, I left school a bit earlier. So I had some more time and money and a vehicle. And so, you know, how it is young youth groups. You got a car? Yep. Can you speak English? Yep. You're you're a youth leader. God's calling you to be a pastor. <laughs> oh, really? You know, that's that's the, that was the draw card. And so that was kind of a Pentecostal church, Australian Assemblies of God or Australian Christian Churches, it's known as now. 
overseas people just think of it a very small scale rural hillsong kind of a, a meeting mm. and so um that that was my life uh i met my wife at a big youth camp um we were we met at one youth camp one year we're engaged by the second married by the third married at 19 um got uh, involved more and more with the church ended up on staff was a music director was a business director and uh and then felt called to go to japan on missions as part of a church plant thing so we lived moved sold up sold out and moved to japan with our then one nearly two-year-old girl mm. and um went to japan experienced a lot saw a lot it was really really amazing time and then came back whilst we were pregnant with our second um got reinvolved with a, a different church because we moved to a different part of Australia, quite a large church. I want to say mega church. And because I know you're from New Zealand, how big's a mega church in New Zealand? What, what's regarded as a mega church? I couldn't tell you now because times have changed and it's been a long time since I lived there. But I, I think the largest church in Auckland is probably like two, 3,000 people. I, I could be really yeah. wrong. And all the Kiwis who are actually listening are like, yo, that guy doesn't understand. <laughs> But even in Canada, even in Canada, to have to have two to three thousand people, you're a very large church. Right. And so I say that because if I say mega church and there's American listeners, they're they're thinking like thousands, tens of 10, thousands. 20, but we're like this is like a thousand people, which is the biggest church, you know, lights, camera, action, everything. Get involved in there, end up being the music director. And then which which you've got to understand through my whole journey, Jonathan. I'm you know, like at this stage in my life, I'm thinking, okay, if God's called me, then I need to climb that that ladder. <laughs> I need to get to the top of whatever it is. And because uh, that's, I don't know, that's just, that's the pursuit. That's what you, you want to build a career. You want to do it. You want to serve God. You want to be influential. It's all about the mountain, so, baby. It's all about the mountain. It is. Uh, and some listeners are, uh, face palming themselves so what are you talking about but I, I I feel I can see across the camera you know what I'm talking about there's the nod and so I thought um I, I we we had our third child and his all our children's birth were, were very difficult and complicated but he ended up with Myconian asphyxiation was um airlifted to the local hospital big hospital was um put on ice uh, to stop any any chance of there being swelling of his brain. It was very traumatic for us. And uh, meanwhile, I'm leading this big church as the music director and worship leader. I'd made it, I'd made it to the top. And uh, I'd made it to the top and I thought, oh, why do I feel so far away from Jesus? And why is my wife home now while I'm here in front of, 1,200 people singing about Jesus and she's at home with postnatal depression trying to care for my kids. What the hell am I doing? Like, and, uh, and at that time she was like, I'm done. I'm done with this circus. I'm done with everything. And she was just like, I'm over it. She just, she'd had enough. And I was like, I'm so, I'm so tired and I feel like a fake. Like, I feel like, bloody fake like what the hell is going on and then uh i think they caught on on how dead tired i was because i wasn't working at the church i was 
I was doing another job and uh, I was just tired, man. Like, they're like, come on, let's get the prayer thing going this morning. Father, thank you. You know, they're shouting and I'm thinking, dude, can we just shut up? Be quiet. I've had kids and everything screaming all day. Do you not know how to pray silently? You know, but this was, this is part of the culture and I get it now, but I just could not comply. And I'm, I'm an Enneagram 9. I'm highly, I'm HSP, highly sensitive. And I'm like this, I'm, I'm done. And uh, that caught on. And so they, they, um, they laid me off. <laughs> they um, shafted me from the role. It was pretty messy. And they tried to cover it up by saying, yeah, he wants to spend more time with his family. But anyway, what happened was my, my uh, wife had been given a book a little while before that from a um, a ministry called Elijah House, which comes out of the States. And this is where I, you and I start a bit of a, a similar journey, I think. Well, is, let me um, just let me just say that I also married at 19 to the girl I met through church. What? That I joined the staff of the church the day after I graduated high school. That I spent 13 years faithfully climbing the ladder. And what? Uh, so, yeah, hugely... No hugely uh aligned stories man this is hilarious uh, please keep all right. going keep going so anyway for all those listening this is our story and um <laughs> we're not married just to let everybody know <laughs> that's not how it worked uh so so i got someone handed elijah house so we start looking into it and natalie we discovered this course is being run in a church in our in our area and uh i I thought I'm going to go along to this, um, and so for for our I can't remember what anniversary it was, uh, we 12th anniversary or something. We gifted ourselves the registration to go and uh, do this weekend course. So I turn up at this little Baptist church, nothing flash. There's all these old ladies there who greet us with big warm arms. They, the worship they play is the karaoke style, you know, and it's stuff from the 70s. And me and my snobby ACC kind of background, <laughs> I'm like, do you guys not have real music here? Do you guys, do you need me to play? Or, you know, I was instantly in rescue mode because I couldn't stand it. And, uh, and then the second lesson that we learned was on performance orientation. And I'm thinking, and they just start to unpack and drill into your childhood, which I'd never done because I'd belong to a denomination and a movement where you believed in the God of the breakthrough, but I needed the God of the breakdown, right? I needed the God who was like, there with me and at the same time I'm starting reading Richard Rohr and people who have a theology for suffering and and I'm I mean as much as a nine Enneagram nine could I'm starting to get pretty pissed like I'm thinking what the hell have I've been robbed mate like you sold me half a cake and told me it was the whole thing dude like you mean God is here and so we had all these beautiful older ladies, mature people who'd come from, they were Catholic background, you know, and I'm like, I said to the lady, she was charismatic Catholic, the lady who runs it, she said, I said, you're just like me. She says, nonsense, you're just like me, you're just <laughs> like us. And so we were just loved on. We talked about going through, Natalie said, oh, I think I'm having a breakdown. They're like, that's wonderful, darling. You know, that's wonderful. We can't wait to see what God does. 
And so I just got involved and I and I, I remember sitting in the small group, you kind of watched a video teaching and then you sat in a small group and somebody that was a trained prayer minister would kind of do a demonstration or practice on somebody in the small group. And I'm watching the guy in my group and then a lady in another group do it. And I'm thinking, that's that's actually what I want to do. Like that's, this is it. Like this is actually what I want to do. I think I can do that. And I could almost see where they were going to go next. And I could feel the other person's pain. And I was, you know, burden bearing and, you know, empathetic. And I was like, this is my tribe. This is my people. And this is my thing. This is healing the brokenhearted and with scripture and with Jesus. And, and I'm in. So <laughs> within a year, I'm managing Elijah House Australia. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so then I get involved with prayer ministry. I'm running this, the, that Baptist church employs me on pastoral staff and I'm, I'm helping in there. Um, prayer ministry room, people just walk in off the street, making bookings, coming to see us. Now, I understand, I mean, my wife's studying counselling at this time. I've got no counselling, but it's just like I I just thought this was amazing, and it was. So that started a, a long journey for the next um, eight or so years, maybe 10 years up until now, where... Um, so I managed the larger house. And then what happened was a couple of churches are like, hey, come and can you come and talk at a camp? And then my name got around. And so while I wasn't managing it, I was spending weekends away flying to churches all over Australia. I got to I got to travel overseas and I, I wouldn't just preach on a weekend. I'd come early or stay later and sit with the pastors and their leaders and really focus on getting them healthy. And so that you just end up with a bit of a name for yourself for that guy that you should call, you know, <laughs> to clean stuff up. And uh, so that, that ensued, we had a, we, we started a ministry leader heart for many years. We ran that, did a lot of online training, um, kept traveling, um, got involved with some more inner healing modalities as well. The Emmanuel approach, um, which you know about heart sync, which you talk about in your book. And I was like, yeah, he knows heart sync. And so I just had the most profound exposure to, to seeing Jesus like do something in, in minutes that I was trying to generate from the stage for decades, you know, on mass. But it meant that I had to sit with somebody for three hours one-on-one um and churn through their garbage and sit in this and lean on holy spirit and what i'd learned so that happened for years and then <laughs> jonathan i i burned out i had compassion <laughs> fatigue i had yeah. the skids i i'd been by that time i'd been in india south korea uh indonesia i just had been everywhere and new zealand as well and i I was just done, you know, I was, I was cooked. I was out and it was like, it was like, you, you always see the grace of God in, in hindsight, you know, but it's like, Hey son, uh, we've been working together for a while and I want to see you keep going. But if we are to continue on like this, 
I'm going to be here, but you're not. (laughs) (laughs) And I prefer to work together. So um, I was out, like I had major back issues. I I had major fatigue issues. I, I felt as if the life had been sucked out of me. And I just began to wrestle with God, began to get more ministry uh, myself, um, just do what I, the little that I could um, when I could and just kept waiting. And, and those places are scary. I'm sure you've been there where you just are like, I don't even know if I can be there anymore. Yeah. I don't know what the next, I don't know what to do next month. Do I, what do I do? Um, at that time too, I just, Natalie had finished her study. So I went and did a bachelor of organizational leadership part-time, which was wonderful. And I kind of also realized that a lot of the stuff I was dealing with in the churches was, was, was not just, it was things they'd spiritualized. That was just crap management, crap leadership, like just poor strategy. Like it was like, (laughs) Because blessed pastors, like you, you've got a, you're better off getting a business degree in what's expected largely today. Because I mean, those listening know, like it's it's not all rainbows, sunshine, and prayer meetings and preaching on Sunday. It's like insurances, quotes, new chairs, carpets, roofs, staff, HR, insurance. Like it's it's you're running it, you're running an enterprise. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what came up, and then. I just started writing poems, you know, during that time. I heard a guy by the name of David White, which is W-H-Y-T-E, on a on an On Being podcast with Krista Tippett. And he, I could hear him, I was hearing him recite poems and something in me just broke. And I'm like, I, I could, I, there's something in me. So I just started writing, right? I just started writing. I had quite a bit of a following already, like on Facebook and emails. And I I produced all these soaking prayer albums and it sold thousands of those and helped a lot of people. I taught a lot on the blessing and the power of blessing. And so I, I had a kind of a following, but I just was like, mm, this is me now. I'm writing poetry. And they people were just like, this is great. And I'm like, oh, is it? I didn't know. So that, that kind of, Fast forward two years. Fast forward about a year later, I meet Paul Young, um, who wrote The Shack. You've interviewed him. I was at one of the the meetings and I had just gone for me. It was like one of the first things I'd ever traveled just for Dave to go. And a dear friend, a pastor was hosting him. And uh, I said, can I take along? He's like, sure, man. So I got to hang out with Paul a lot during that time. And uh, I said to my friend, Gary, the pastor, I said, I don't want to preach I don't want to do anything he said will you you like pray to close a meeting off I'm like yeah I'll do that while I'm listening to them talk I wrote a blessing as a poem read it Paul's like what the hell's that I'm like oh I just wrote it now he says can you email it can you text it to me I said sure he goes have you written others and I read a couple he's like oh man send me more so for the next year I'm texting Paul Mm. all my poems he's like can we please put this in a book and can I please audition to narrate the audio book <laughs> like, uh best-selling author wants to narrate my audio book let me pray about that uh so he was incredibly gracious and he was the the voice of an elder that I needed right to go hey you, I believe in you you can do this and this is beautiful and you have no idea the ripples that this is affecting and the people I'll send it to like I'd send him a poem and then he'd send it 
on to people he's just been talking with and then he'd send me back what they said he's like mm. you, you just have no idea so uh i've just kept writing and um so i published the book I late last year the wrestle that's that's my short story probably took a long time <laughs> But thanks for listening, everyone. But that's that's how these stories are, isn't it? Like, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, as you, as you're unpacking that, thank you for sharing all of that. I can I can see so many connection points in my own journey, even just this idea of that that we that we stumble upon this new thing that must be it. That's what we're here for. And it is life-giving and it is transformative mm. until it's not. <laughs> or until, until it's not. Until we've just flame right out. And and then it's like you're left going, oh, okay. But that's not me anymore. <laughs> I just am not there now. And it's so bizarre. And then we all totally. meet Paul Young somewhere along <laughs> along that journey. I, think I know, for, right? For people who don't know Paul personally, you know, he's kind of like this distant guy who wrote this best-selling book, or maybe he's like this theological pariah, you know, who has these weird beliefs. But when you spend time with Paul Young, he's the most unassuming, oh yeah, friendly, tender man. You know, and he yeah. says he says. I wrote the shack from my my children. Mm. And so once those 15 copies were printed, given to my kids and a handful of friends, you know, Paul's need was met. Done. Mm. And everything else has been gravy. And and so you spend time with him and this just this genuineness that mm. that impacts you. It impacts me, you know. It totally. If you meet him in person, and those who have, he gives the world's best hugs. And uh, it's true. I was so yeah, I was so impressed. What it, what struck me most was here's a guy that's just got off the plane from the other side of of the planet. Um, he's done weeks of meetings and different things, and and there's no green room, which which is I don't have anything against green rooms. I used to enjoy green rooms, you know, just because it was like. It was exhausting sometimes, but I was taken back by his immense capacity. I said, where do you get your capacity from? Like you talk, you share stories, people sob on your shoulders. Like you just, where do you get this from? His answer was joy, hmm. right? And and have you done did you study in your i know your sort of similar inhaling journey did you have you read stuff from the life model the guys jim wilder and ed curry and only by like derivation into other that. works through heart sync and, yeah. and elsewhere i'm familiar with it but i haven't done any of it first part yet so jim wilder's a neuro theologian and um their book living from the heart that jesus gave you is a great little book and um but they they he, they unpacked how joy works in the brain that your brain has a joy center and joy gives you strength. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength for the joy set before him. He endured. So the thing that your brain needs, the thing that your brain needs to endure hard things is joy. And you create joy by creating belonging. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, 
And he just had that. He had that in the Trinity. And, uh, you know, there are men, men in my life, women in my life, where there have been moments where I'm like, all right, screw this God. Like, <laughs> it's not so much, but especially earlier, I was like, all right, I'm either going to throw me under a bus or you under a bus, but one of us is, is going down. And it, it was meeting men and women who I knew, knew God. You know, an 83-year-old, I remember an 83-year-old missionary who spent his life in Papua New Guinea. I was at some family banquet thing and they said, oh, can you say grace? And the moment he closed his eyes and just said, Jesus, I'm thinking, you know him. Like, it's not like, Father God, we thank you, Father, Father, Father. You know, it was like you, you, the moment you closed your eyes, you were with him. Mm. Like, oh, I just found that. I just had met these people over the years, small encounters, and I thought, and Paul's one of those people. You just know. I think, I don't know, Jonathan, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think the thing that strikes me is that they just know that they're loved. Like they just have this deep sense of connection that is tangible. Well, I pick it up anyway. Absolutely. Like I've spent time on the road. I've... uh... Actually, a year ago, I managed a comedy tour, and uh, so yeah, I value uh, and I emceed and, and and did all kinds of things. But I, I value those green rooms, and I think about what you just said about Paul, and I think about the capacity because I've witnessed the same thing. I've witnessed he'll he'll he will be with every person that is in line, and it'll be seventy mm. percent of the room, and it could be hundreds of people, and he will stay there till the bitter end, hugging everyone and hearing their story and honoring their time. And I think, what would I need to be able to turn up and not have a sacred space where I can hide and not and, and be able to be present? I would need to be utterly and completely confident in just being myself mm. every moment of that whole experience with no pretense and nothing to, no performance, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and what do I need then to have the confidence to just be mm. Jonathan, take it or leave it? Well, I need to know I'm loved. Mm. I need to know Jonathan is loved. And I need to know that I'm Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I totally resonate with that about those individuals, but I would also like to affirm it in you because that is what came through to me in some of these, especially this first section, this first chapter, as I mentioned, that has just been wrecking me. Oh, that I'm like, this is someone acquainted with sorrows mm. and with the lifter of our heads. Mm. Um, I, I would love if you'd, if you'd read us some of your work. Do you have any requests? You know what? Why don't I read? I re I'll read The Wrestle, uh, which is um, the name of the book as well. And, you know, I'll, I might tell you a bit, but let me read it and then I'll tell you some background. Is that all right? Please. The wrestle. I found you beyond the why, far from the why not, worlds from why me. You held a space for me beyond answers to questions my pain had as if you knew information was never going to heal or resolve or fix my suffering. Instead, you agreed to wrestle, 
through many nights, never letting go, always with me just like you promised. Refusing to surrender, I eventually realized that wrestling with God was not a crime, that I was in fact being held, being healed, being transformed by finding you beyond the answers, being blessed by holding on to you in my doubt and frustration and never letting go. And you never let go. And you overcame me in the end. And we both won. I smiled when I read that the other day because I didn't see it coming. <laughs> and I've seen you, I've, I've read you now pull that off quite a few times. There's a setup mm. and then there's a twist. And the punchline gets between my ribs every time. And it's, it's beautiful. Thanks, man. Poetry, I mean, I'm reading more. I'm, I'm learning more and uh, writing a lot more. I've kind of got enough for my second book already. And, but I, it, it, they often will have a hinge. And it's easier to start a poem than it is to end. Like ending a poem in that sailor moment, you know, when it comes to, to you and through you, uh, poor. It is, uh, it's almost addictive. Like, it's just <laughs> it's like, it's, my, it feels very sacred. True Lord, you, yeah. It is sacred. And like, I think 27%, just, just above quarter, just under a third of the scriptures are, uh, are poems. It's a poem. Like, a third of your Bible is poetic. People go, I'm not really into poems. All right, you love the Beatles? Yeah, that's poetry. You like Psalms? Poetry. Like, <laughs> you like your Bible? Poetry. Yeah, this is why I think literalists, you know, people who read things literally and go through it, I think they just miss out, you know, like poetry is such a, it's just the language of the heart. And um, and it's, it's no, for me, it's... It's sneaky. Uh, it's so sneaky. Yeah. And it's the language of lament. You know, half the Psalms are lamenting Psalms. It's like, and at the moment, you know, I, I, um, I've just on Instagram, I said, hey, DM me your stories, send me some stories, and I'll see if I can turn them into poetry, and, um, which is a good prompting for me and is a blessing for some. And I, um, they've, they've been sad stories, Jonathan, like, Yesterday, I wrote one for somebody that wrote in and said, my, my husband, their pastors, my husband just lost his dad to COVID. Mm. And uh, we don't, he'd lost his mum to cancer last year. Can you write a poem for the funeral? <laughs> like, oh, and, and, uh, and I did. I asked a few questions and, and I, I, I did it through tears. Mums who, women who've had, abortions terminated pregnancy like how do I reconcile this mums raising autistic kids on their own women waiting for the men in their life people dealing with social anxiety like you know death and struggle and I think a poetry is the only way to write about it and and just this the lovely gift that it is I think you know could you and read it? And I can see why it's getting a resurgence. Yeah, well, it, it totally is. It totally is. 
I was wondering if you if you would read the one that you wrote the other day about pastoral suicide. Oh yeah, it's, so uh, I have a few friends. One wrote to me, but I've walked with a few pastors through through suicide, and uh, it's so tough, man. Like, and some of my proudest moments have been seeing them openly talk about it, write about it, and and um, yeah, we've talked about it here on the show. Um, I have, yeah, okay. Kayla Steckline joined us a few months back, whose husband Andrew died by suicide, and just incredibly brave woman, Mm. Um, incredibly helpful. I think for 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 us who still have just been trying to get our heads around around the whole thing, Um, and and what and what you wrote, um, really to me was right on. So I'd be I'd be honoured. This is called For the Pastor Who Nearly Died by Suicide. The sheep had no idea. Their shepherd had leant over life's edge and was staring into the relief death was offering. When hope and strength leave you, the weight of a flock rests upon your shoulders. You are forgiven for considering an out like this. Why does he not just trust God? The sheep murmured which was ironic, seeing they expected so much from their shepherd. If he is gone, who will? how will we be fed and led, they continued, which was ironic, seeing they confessed the Lord was their shepherd. And on that ledge, out of earshot from the sheep, the shepherd heard the voice he'd been longing to be strengthened by. Don't jump, just fall into me and a new way of being. Needless to say, the sheep were shocked when things changed, but they grew anyway, finding green pastures on their own. And the shepherd learned to breathe again, to enjoy the meadow and walk lockstep with his friend and lover, the shepherd king. So good. Thanks, man. It was actually... uh... Obviously, I think that I think that will. I mean, I hope that that is that meets certain people where they are. But it was it was timely even for me. Just I think the day prior, I've been doing a Bible study on on John with Paul Young and Brad Jurasek and a bunch of these these guys. And the OTC one. The OTC one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we're just, I've been a few weeks behind, so I've been catching up, and we're just they're just been talking about shepherds. About oh, wow. like they're, they're just the dirty, the dirty, smelly outcasts. They're they're the yeah. lowest rung of the kind of one of the lower. I mean, not strictly speaking, right? We have slaves, but but they're they're way 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 down on the list of of acceptable people in the social and yeah. power structure. They smell. They're dirty. They're illiterate, and so on. And and yet our king is a shepherd. Mm. And wow. And we've had some bad shepherds. <laughs> which is yeah. which is not to cast any aspersions on on those who have been trying to do good and, and are genuinely suffering. But, but we have had some charlatan shepherds. Mm. 
and yeah and we're not actually really even as such invited to be shepherds but to be dumb stupid sheep yeah and and that's our role and that's okay because our king is a shepherd and uh we we will go astray and he mm. will and he will come and find us yeah and it may hurt on the way back have you ever seen that that video there's that sheep stuck way down in a hole and the shepherd's like you can't see at first what he's doing but this is like a modern shepherd you know in new zealand or australia or ireland or somewhere and yeah, he's got yeah. his arms up to his shoulders in this pit see everybody's going to take note on how you said arms <laughs> arms he's got his arms <laughs> and you know and then he eventually pulls this this lamb out that's gotten its whole body stuck way down this hole and i've seen the caption yeah. that's like you know jesus rescuing me from sin <laughs> <laughs> totally it's totally like that so in the book too, I've got all these, you haven't read the second, the sort of towards the end, but I, I start writing all these, um, these, you will smile when you see them because I, I start writing letters, particularly to emotions and things that happen. And one of the wonderful things about kind of the inner healing background and, and modalities like heart sync is you begin to personify um, things that are usually a bit murky, you know, yes. the language gives you handles and you, you talk about this in your book with the guardian function and emotion and all the different stuff. And so uh, these poems started coming out too, where I was, I wrote a, I wrote a poem called dear breakdown, dear strength, dear tears, mm. dear, dear instruction. So let me read you. I don't know. I just feel this, this is for someone. Um, and this is called Dear Breakdown. Dear Breakdown, when I saw you coming across the horizon, I braced myself. With your strong gaze and constant gait, I began to suspect you were on assignment or I had summoned you unknowingly. I'd seen what you had done to others. Their lives resembled wrecks. Many lost hope, all sense of pride. And you were coming for me now. Now I was unprepared. Sure, those people recovered and discovered they couldn't arrange galaxies with their false personas, but who wants to go through hell for that lesson? And yes, some claimed they loved deeper, laughed louder, and found their true selves, but who wants to submit to your painful ways? So much in me told me you are not welcome. Too many memories of failing and falling had me questioning your nearness once more. But then you had your way. I expected you to hit and run, but you were more committed than that. I had you all wrong. Sure, it hurt, and sure, I died many deaths. But you allowed me to see that I was never in charge, never that strong, never going to wake up to the presence of all things, unless you came to my rescue. So thank you, Breakdown. Thank you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's And good. I think this is the, this is that, you know, we never want to go through those valleys and the breakdown, but what, what you get on the other side, what you find at the bottom of the ocean, like, is you, <laughs> is God, 
is what's left. And um, you can see why the church fathers and, and other movements and denominations are, you know, embrace it. Why Paul said you got to consider these things joy. It's it's part of part of life. And I and as I said before, I never I didn't grow up in a denomination. I wasn't baptized in a denomination that had much of a theology for suffering. And so learning over many, many years, as as you have too, and I can read it in your book and the guests that you've had about trauma and and how trauma can be the bad things that happen to you, but also the absence of the good things, the trauma of unmet blessing, the trauma of unmet needs, the trauma of, of the things people didn't do, the traumas of neglect. And um, it's just been a wild and wonderful journey, uh, painful at times, bankruptcy. We went through bankruptcy, that sucked. Nearly lost children in birth, that sucked. It was just... Lot that sucked, <laughs> but um, but you get to mature and you get to enjoy, fall into yourself, you know, yeah, discover yourself, and it's so much bigger than you know those platitudes, right? Because because we would we would gloss over that stuff very quickly. Totally. Well, you know, it was very difficult, but I'm I'm thrilled at the chance to persevere and grow my character, and you know, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And you can tell, you know, that someone is, I mean, I say lying, but but they may not even really know that they're lying yet until they've come to that place themselves, right? They, they have some very clever guardians. Well, you have, you have to survive, right? You've got to survive. That's it. Absolutely. Yep. And so that's that's what I loved about, the, the heart sink approach and some of the others, it was like whatever your defense mechanism is, whatever your wall, whatever story you're telling yourself, whatever way you're using to protect yourself and to guard yourself from further pain or overwhelm, I honor you and I see you and I love you and Jesus does. But man, you got to be tired and alone. And you and I both know your day is coming. <laughs> So why don't why don't we just call a truce now, and uh, and see what Jesus can do? Yeah, David, this is normally the part of the show where I would wrap up and ask if you'd pray for us. I wonder if you'd read uh, the blessing. Totally, I'd love to. To wrap this back uh, to where Paul was, this is the blessing that I wrote during the meeting that. Paul and my friend Gary were talking, Paul Young, and it's called the, A Blessing for the Heart Journey. And so for all those listening, this is for you. Today, fellow fallers, recoverers, rescuers, winners, losers, famous and infamous, I bless you. The runners and the lame, the bankrupt and billionaires, the saints and sinners, the lost and lonely, I bless you. I bless you with knowing that the journey of a thousand steps will be paved by potholes, sinkholes, assholes, and whatever it takes to make you whole because you are human. I bless you with knowing that the invitation to face the world with an unveiled face may be done at your pace or never at all because it's an invitation. But know this. 
by love and choice, Trinity's unmasked face shines upon you and is gracious to you. Trinity lifts up their faces towards you and offers you peace because you belong. Thank you, David. Amen. Man, when I first read that poem, The Blessing, I just broke. So maybe you're sitting there wiping snot out of your beard or your beautiful feminine non-bearded face. I don't know. But either way, go and check out David's writing. Uh, go order The Wrestle. You'll find all of uh, his work linked in the show notes and some links to some websites that you can go and learn more about uh, Heart Sang and Elijah House and the other things that David and I were talking about. Hey, this was episode 98. Uh, we are really, really close to episode 100, and I have put together something that I think you will find very, very special. I assembled a panel group of incredible thinkers and feelers and experts and question askers to talk all about Jesus and trauma. And we went in very fascinating directions. And for episode 100, that's what you're going to hear. So we're just one episode away. You need to tell your friends that it's coming. Uh, next week, I'll reveal to you who my panelists are. And trust me, you do not want to miss out on episode 100. It's actually, I think, going to be split into two episodes because we went for like two hours. Everybody had to leave and then nobody left because it was just so rich. So uh, that's coming up. Episode 100, episode 101, very, very soon. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Thank you for listening. Much love to you.